The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour Podcast with hosts Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, no, no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. Dave, Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. All right, Andrew, we told the people if they donated to the podcast, we could do amazing, cool stuff. We got the audio. Andrew, I'm excited. I think this is the biggest guest we've ever had. And back in the day, I roped Peter King into doing this podcast because I helped him out at Saints Camp one day. But we have Zach Streif, the new Saints play-by-play guy. Zach, I'm, I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for joining us, guy. Guys, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm a big fan. I, uh, I I keep up. I've listened, so I know which one of you guys supported my hiring and which one of you didn't. And I'm ready. To, I got I got bones to pick. Let's do it. Uh, well, well, Zach, I will say, and we said this right before we started. I said I thought of Zach. I thought of him on Tuesday when I did my f- second live hit for Channel Four for their morning news. I thought of him because I have never done TV before, and I had a producer talking in my ear saying, "Ralph, look up." You're being unnatural. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. Don't fidget. Don't fidget. It was like my mom talking to me at church, and I yeah, was freaking yeah. out. Yeah, it's different. I mean, and, and certainly, you know, you know, it's one of those things like you get a great opportunity, right? And, yeah. and you're like, well, I've never done that, but I'd be an idiot not to do it, right? Exactly. I got to go and do it. And then, you know, you got to deal with some criticism early on, and, and then eventually you're just the TV guy on Channel 4, and you know, same deal for me. I'm in the same situation. You know, before we get to the play-by-play stuff, you're in LA. You're watching the Saints Chargers, the joint practice. What stood out of what stood out to you this week watching the Saints? Well, I'll tell you this, and obviously, I have a somewhat unique position because I played in these practices last year, and we absolutely got our butts handed to us. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was it was a bad deal. Like it was one of those days where. You're on the sideline. You're like, well, this is not going well. I don't, I don't know uh, how good this, these meetings are going to go tonight. And, and that has not happened at all this year. I think the Saints have been clearly the better team. Uh, and this is a really good football team. Uh, the Chargers, when you really look at them, you know, they started 0-4 last year and then went 10-2 and to finish the season and, and were, quite honestly, dominant at times. So this is a good football team with a talented roster. And I think what you see more than anything is I, I think we're the better team. We're certainly – the more disciplined team. Uh, we've certainly had a tougher training camp uh, after after hearing kind of what the Chargers players have been saying to our guys. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a good place to be in right now, and I think it's been a good week for, for all those guys to get to hit somebody new. Well, Zach, man, you know, 
this is I feel like you've been spending a lot of time on Twitter finally and now, now you're not a player anymore and so you've been you've been infected by you've been, you've been able to see you know what Saints Twitter and Saints Twitter panic is all about and yeah, it really sure. it really doesn't take much especially in the preseason you know for fans to overreact and you know what we keep talking about on the podcast is listen Drew Brees hasn't played Cam Jordan hasn't played like let's Let's not freak out. Half these guys that you're watching are either practice squad guys or, or, or they're, they're not playing at all. So this is kind of the one game coming up against the Chargers that's the dress rehearsal. And I'm curious. So we will see Breeze. We will see Jordan, hopefully. And we'll, we'll actually at least see a quarter, maybe a half of the Saints playing a real live game with the players that we should expect to see. So... What would you say, like, is there something that you think is really important that you want to see in this game to feel good going into the season? The biggest thing for me, especially in this in this third game, and it's the one thing that's completely different with everybody else but Drew, is just the tempo at which the, the offense operates. And you got to understand, you know, they're throwing a lot of stuff at these guys that have been here for, for you know, three months or four months there are things that drew has heard for 12 years now, 13 years now. And it's a lot of information to get out in the huddle. It's a lot of verbiage. It's a lot going on. And, and it's reflected, I think in the speed of play. And I want to see, I mean, always for us, the big thing was to get into the game, break the huddle, get up to the line of scrimmage, make the adjustments and go and start moving. Cause this offense has always been best when it's moving at a fast tempo. And that's the thing to me, I think that you always see with drew at, it, it almost appears more assertive. Like all of a sudden when Drew's in, like everyone's trying harder. And really what it is, is it's just the message comes across so much more forceful. The, the play calls come out better. Everyone knows there's confidence in what we're doing. And, and that's for me, the thing that I want to see offensively, you know, defensively, I'd really, listen, I'd like to see us tighten up some of the coverages that I think to this point in camp so far, um, the, the, the defenses they've been playing has just been to avoid big plays and to protect against that, which they've done a great job of. And, you know, but at the same time, I want to get off the field. I want to see that first group get off the field, um, similar to how they started last week in Arizona. And, and certainly adding a guy like Cam Jordan to the mix is going to help that a bunch. But, um, yeah, I just want to see tempo. Tempo is, to me is that, that's when you know, okay, we got, we got the guys back in, and that's when you'll see what the team's really made of. Um. All right, I gotta get back to your uh, you're starting to play by play. What's the most surprising and challenging thing doing play by play that you didn't realize before you started doing it? And you're like, oh my god, I I had no idea. Yeah, well, first of all, you're getting information from a lot of people, you know, and and it was the one thing that I couldn't really I couldn't recreate that when I was practicing. So when I would sit down and call a game, you know, the game had already happened. And I was doing it by myself, and so I didn't have the ability to have a spotter and a statistician and a producer sitting there feeding me information. And so I was used to kind of looking down at a paper and saying, okay, I know that this play was for eight yards and that it was a Mark Ingram carry. And so that information was readily available. In the preseason especially, one – half these guys I don't know <laughs> you know I mean I, I obviously I know their names and numbers and the Saints roster I know but you get to these other teams I mean there's there's 90 guys on these rosters I mean there's just your no memorizing your it 
Exactly. And, and that to me was the thing that certainly early in the Jaguars game was really evident. Like, wow, I, I really have to learn where to put my eyes and where to get my information from. And it's really not all that unsimilar to as a young lineman, those guys always say, well, the game's really fast. You hear that from young players all the time, right? Like it's so fast. And really what it is, it's not that the players are a little bit faster. What it really is, is you don't know where to put your eyes. And so you try and look at the big picture, you know, as a right tackle, if I don't know that, Hey, this will linebacker, if he comes, I know what else is happening to the left. So I'm just going to watch the will linebacker. When you just sit back and watch everybody and there's like eight people running around crossing your vision, it looks like it's a thousand miles an hour. It's very similar in play by play. When, when I'm trying to see what the stats guy saying, what the spotter saying and listening to the producer all at the same time. And also watching the field, it's like, there's a lot going on, but, as you get into it and you start learning, okay, I got to look at my spotter, then my statistician, then back to my flip chart to see it. It starts slowing down a little bit and, and certainly helps, but yeah, it's quick. I mean, it moves fast up there and to sound good, you got to get the information quickly. You did a hundred games of, I read that practice. Did you just do saints games or did you do random 2005 Northwestern games for fun? Since you were doing it by yourself. <laughs> to, to call myself giving up sacks. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> No, no. Listen, I I called all Saints games and I called as many from last year as I could. And really, I only studied like five games and I would call them over and over and over again. And, you know, what you learn very quickly is one, it takes a long time to prep for a game. So, you know, I, I was really only in consideration for the job for about three months. And so if I had if I had studied how I have to study for a preseason game, and called the game, I would have done one. I could have called 12 because it really takes about a week to get ready and, and you know, prepare to do one. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I would, I would prepare, I would learn, I would do stat research. You know, I had to do all of it on my own. So I had to do all that background that other people might help me with now. And then I would call the game over and over again. I would listen to it and I would say, I hate how I say that, or I hated how that <laughs> sounded. Or, and then you go back and you kind of learn and you build off of it and, it's listen, I don't know that anyone's ever learned to do this in the same manner that I did, but it's a, <laughs> it's a unique situation. And, um, you know, it, listen, it's going to be a, a growing and learning experience through the entire season, but, um, you know, it continues to get better and easier. Is, is it tougher? Is it tougher, Zach? Because I mean, you look at like Tony Romo, right? And he came in in his first year, like everyone was talking about how ridiculously good he was at it and how like, how enjoyable he was doing it. And I would say that no one is better equipped than you and certain, no disrespect to Deuce, who's obviously very qualified, but like, you know, the guys on the team and you know, the plays, you know, the offense, I mean, I'm better than anyone. So you're more qualified to kind of offer commentary and your job is really to set up Deuce and basically give him the floor after you give the narrative. So Is that hard for you to not like, I mean, I'm sure instinctively you want to chime in sometimes, right? It's a, it's a really good question and it's absolutely the case. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, what what ends up happening is like Deuce will start talking and I'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, I got something to say about that. Like, that's good. And I, you know, I got, I can expand on that. And, and then, you know, Deuce stops talking and it's like, Oh, they've already broken the huddle. There's no time for that. And so uh, what, what I think will, 
you know, the, my goal and the place where I think this broadcast could go that could make it special is once I feel really comfortable in the mechanics of calling the game, I can lead Deuce into the analysis. And because I see it happening, but right now I'm so concerned about like, get, get the, you know, who caught the ball, who's, who made the tackle, get all that information out. I'm so concerned with that right now because that's not second nature that I'm basically getting that information out and then letting Deuce go. I think when we're going to be really good and when it can become special is when I can get all that information out easily. Certainly when the rosters get cut in half, that'll be a little bit easier, <laughs> but then also lead Deuce in. To, so, you know, I can do the, I can say the play and what happened and then start the analysis for Deuce who then will kind of jump into it. And you, I think you gotta, you it, it could be really good. Insights. You got to sneak in some insights for us. Yeah, well, listen, what, if I don't, if I don't sneak in the insights, what's the point in having me? Exactly. Right? Like if I'm just going to yeah. do the nuts and bolts of a play by play, why hire a player? So I'm going to have to find that balance and I will, you know, right now it, it's, it's, it's seriously, it's the preseason for us as well. And, you know, I'm really worried about the nuts and bolts and getting that information out. But I think when we get into the season and I really know a roster and I've memorized, you know, who are the skill players on this team, that stuff will come a lot easier. Yeah, and that's the thing with Jim Henderson and Hokey. They were fishing buddies, and they were close. And the best part of their broadcast was when the Saints were obviously great from 2006 to 2011. I remember when y'all were just crushing teams in 2011. Jim would just set up Hokey, and Hokey would have this chuckle. They were just they were just so giddy that the Saints were were well, but they would play off each other. It was just fun to listen to as a fan. But you've you've talked to play by play people that are obviously more experienced. You you reached out to them. What's the most interesting piece of advice you got from people from someone on how to do play-by-play well i think i mean i'll tell you this the single most beneficial thing that i've gotten uh is from baltimore's play-by-play guy and Hmm. the poor guy his name's his name's jerry (laughs) sandusky oh boy (laughs) now it's with a g um and and when i got the initial email that i got it email from jerry sandusky i was like ah, i don't know if she can open this is this like virus or... and and i'll tell you jerry's been incredible uh, i've talked to jerry every week um and jerry's really the guy that gave me the flip chart that i'm using and that's something for me that's like totally foreign uh and jerry's very unique in that he uses a completely digital platform so i don't know if you guys have ever seen one before and I think it's really fascinating. I mean, I was super fascinated by it, but what these guys use in order to identify players, it basically looks like a depth chart. And within, you know, each of those positions, they'll fill in, you know, little tidbits about them, little notes, their height, their weight, when they were drafted, you know, the little stories that you add kind of depth to the broadcast too. And um, Jerry gave me the, the format that he basically uses and he does them all on computer. Uh, which is very unusual. I met with Jim. I, Jim gave me, it's very cool. I could probably auction this off for a lot of money. Jim <laughs> gave me a giant rubber made with all of his notes from like the past three seasons. And it's really cool. I mean, how, you know, just to go back and it's like, Oh, I played in that game. And now I see what Jim was thinking going into it, which was cool. But, but Jerry's been a huge resource to me. And I think, you know, for me, it made a lot more sense. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of recurring themes everyone talks about. Be yourself. You know, be natural. Be yourself. But it's very hard right now to be myself because I'm not a broadcaster. And, <laughs> and that's exactly what I'm doing, you know. And so 
I think in time it will become easier. And, and I think the, the single biggest piece of advice, and I got this from Jim, I've gotten this from Jerry, I got this from Mike Tirico. I mean, it's been the, uh, Tim Brando. They all say the same thing is basically, you know, find your own voice, find out how you do it. Don't listen to Brent Musburger and say, I'm going to be Brent Musburger. Don't listen to Jim and say, I'm going to be Jim Henderson. Find your own voice and, and make it your own. And, you know, that's going to take time. You know, it's going to take me a little bit of time to really find what that is. But I also really believe that when I find that, that it could be very special to have two players, certainly with the insight me and Deuce have having been players in New Orleans together. Let's, you know, the note, Zach, I thought of this before the podcast is you are potentially the only person in the history of the world that can be in the Saints Hall of Fame as a player and in a broadcaster as a broadcaster in like 20 years. Like no one else is going to get this shot. I never thought of that. But yes, no, no well, pressure. Deuce, I could, Deuce I could do both mess, of those right? things. Yeah. Well, Deuce, yeah, Deuce, Deuce yeah. could do it. That's right. Deuce, Deuce could, could do it. it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Man, I mean, the, the, uh, the Jerry Sandusky thing, I just got to say, reminds me of Office Space. You know, the whole Michael Bolton thing. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, Zach, but it's like, I, why should I ask my name? He's the one who sucks. I cherish the entire collection. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. For my money, it doesn't get any better than when a man loves a woman. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Poor guy. I know. I feel so bad. He's, I'm telling you, he's like the nicest guy I've ever met. He reached out to me, cold called me. He came and 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 basically was like, "Hey, anything I, that I can do to help you, I'm more than happy." And and I've probably spent more time on the phone with Jerry than anybody else. And so I'm actually looking forward. We get to play them this year, so I'm going to spend some time with them. I want to say that when the Jerry said that when the scandal broke, I vividly remember ESPN, Mike and Mike had Jerry Sandusky on the Baltimore Ravens play-by-play guy to like tell America to remind them that they're not the same guy but they did it because I want to say Mike Greenberg has a relationship with him and did it as like a favor to him trying to help him out like that's how well known and respected he is in like broadcaster circles like he's that nice of a guy listen he's fantastic and you know they had the Hall of Fame game this year and so it was like my first chance after getting the job to be like, hey, I can listen to someone do this live with that type of, you know, like looking or listening from a totally different perspective. And so I listened to it. and I think he made two references during the game to the fact that he has a terrible name. <laughs> like, like he still has it. Like he still well, you almost it have out. to run with it, right? You have to. I mean, you have to make a joke of it because it's just it's just a rough deal. And he is. He's a great guy. And. One of these years down the road, I'm going to make sure that Jerry understands what a big deal he's been for me. All right, man. Well, Zach, you're retired now. So, I mean, listen, you're a homer. It's okay. We, we know, you know, we know you root for the Saints. But, but uh, if you can, for, you know, 10 seconds, just pull yourself away and, and really look at it as a media guy. Let's talk offensive line. You've yeah. got five starters that are really good. Who of those five, because we, you know, as fans, we know, we, we know the skill guys, we, you know, we, we pay attention to the plays that they make. And it's really obvious if a skill guy is playing really well or poorly offensive right. line, unless you're giving up a sack, it's just hard for the layman to pick that stuff out. So sure. I'm curious, who do you think is the most indispensable offensive lineman to the Saints? I think right now it's Max Unger. I mean, 
here's what's, you know, the, the center position is unique. It's kind of like a captain within, you know, a leadership position. And Max, Max makes all the calls. He's responsible for the tempo of the group. He's really responsible for the tempo of the whole offense, getting up to the line of scrimmage and getting everything moving and kind of setting a tone. So I'd probably say Max right now. Now, there's a lot of talented guys in that room right now. Um, and I think there's been plenty said about it, Toronto Armstead and how he's healthy and he's playing so well, and he is, uh, which is really encouraging for all of us. Larry, uh, you know, Larry Warford's probably the most technically sound guy we have in that room. Ryan Ramchek's going to be a Pro Bowl player before too long. And, you know, obviously Andrus is working back from a, from a surgery and we haven't gotten to see him a ton, but they're all talented. It's a really good room, but if there's one guy that I'm moving out of there that I say that's going to make a, you know, a ripple effect, it would be Max. If there's one ex saint guy that I text with, uh, with some frequency, it's Jonathan Goodwin, your old buddy. Sure. And, um, I remember this was a couple years ago. So not last year, but the year before you, you were having what I thought was your, your, the best year of your career. And at the time, I think you were like 32 and you're, you're just having an amazing season. And I remember texting Goody and just being like, man, Streif is playing out of his mind. He looks awesome. And I remember him texting me back and just saying, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where the talent's always there, but if you can just find a streak of health where you feel healthy, it's not that, you know, he could always do it. This is Goody talking, but if you can find a streak where you're healthy and everything kind of aligns physically, then age doesn't matter as much. And I, I don't know, do you think like this is kind of setting up maybe that way for Armstead this season? Well, you know, for Tehran more than most probably, you know, Tehran has one of those makeups that just has lent itself to injury. And it's not, you know, Tehran works as hard as anybody in our building. He really is. I mean, he's got a really impressive work ethic, but you know, it, He's gotten hurt, and, and he has things that's kind of part of his kind of like physiological makeup that make him apt to injury. And so I don't think with Tehran it's as much. Listen, when you're an older player and you've had issues and you've had, you know, things that nag you that you don't tell anybody about or you don't report, you can get healthy and all of a sudden look like you're a better player. I think with Tehran it's almost – unfair to put him in that category because he's been injured for like three of the last five years you know and like we haven't seen Tehran at his best but for like maybe 10 games and he, and go ahead oh I was gonna say if if Tehran Armstead peak whatever that is whatever level his best is 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 he a top three offensive tackle in the NFL uh yes I think you put him with Tyron Smith when he's healthy and he's got some back issues now. I mean, he's just kind of part of the deal and, and probably Trent Williams. I think Trent is probably the closest comparison to Tehran. And, and I say that because a lot of times the guys that are really athletic don't have the power uh, and they, 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 they are good at kind of getting in the right place and, you know, good impact. Tehran is one of the more powerful offensive linemen that I've ever been around. I mean, he does things to grown men that, like, you probably shouldn't do at this level. 
And, and on top of that, he has hands down the best feet I've ever seen in an offensive lineman. So, you know, he, he has a skill set that is really unusual and really unique. And, you know, it's what, it's what, it's the reason why a guy who's played the last two seasons, basically with like one leg and a quarter of an arm can even play in this league. Like the injuries he's had, I don't know one other player that could ever perform at the level he's performed at with what he's had, with what he's dealt with. Yeah, I mean, we always joke that he's like, he. we need to test him not for drugs, but he might be an alien. Like his pain threshold or whatever his healing power is, like he just powers through it in a way that as a Saints fan my whole life, I, he's got to be up there with like, Rick, the Ricky Jacksons and the Eric Martins, two guys that come to mind, they could just they just play through it, and it doesn't matter what it is, and it's and, and not only do they play, but they play well. Um, yeah. So so he's a unique he's a unique guy. Um, the one thing I was going to ask you, uh, Zach, is the Saints last year on third down they were 18th or 19th in NFL, and even though that's like just below average for Saints fans because we're spoiled rotten with great offense it felt like a disaster on third down. But it really wasn't. It was just slightly below average. But when you go from first to 19th, right, it's a drop off a cliff. What needs sure. to be different in 2018 for it to be better? Well, I, you know, this, I'm going to tell you this. This is completely my personal thought on this. Um, obviously, there's a lot of people in that room that are very good at putting together third down plans and lots of players that are very good at executing them because we've been – I mean, top 10 in the league for the past 12 years, you know, short of last season, including, you know, the best third down season in NFL history. So my, my opinion is we have always thrived with a threat uh, that could run the seams in the middle of the field. Um, when you think back to guys, that's Robert Meacham, Devery Henderson, Jimmy Graham, guys that could occupy the middle of the field and vertically stretch it. Um, you know, Devery and, and Meech always played this, you know, they ran a lot of their deep routes from the slot or even from just off tackle. And it really affects and stretches a defense to have a guy running like that down the center of the field. And we didn't really have that last year. You know, Willie, Willie got hurt early on. He was, he's far more of a possession type receiver, like a Lance Moore. And we really haven't had a tight end that could do that in a while, uh, really since Jimmy left. And so, you know, I think that's the position to me that that Robert Meacham, Devery Henderson, Jimmy Graham, uh, who were a little different, but they were doing the same thing. They're accomplishing the same thing. And, you know, when you look at this team, there's really two guys that have the ability to do that. One being Cam Meredith and the other being Traquan Smith, who's shown all camp kind of the ability to do that, to make those tough catches in the center of the field. And um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that we ended up with two of them. I think that that's kind of a role that they realized early on, like that's a need for us. That's something that that helps us out. And it's going to open up a ton of stuff, not just for receivers, but also for the backs to where, you know, all of a sudden that check down that was getting us four, you know, that Mike linebacker is vacating the middle of the field. Now it's going to get us 12. And that's the difference between converting a third and six and not. And so I think, to me, that's kind of the role that we were missing last year. And, and I don't know that we ever found a really good, consistent way to replace it. Hey, Zach, how, uh, how's your old buddy, 
German Bushrod and, and rookie from LSU, Will Clapp, how are they looking? And how, what do you think their odds are of making the 53? Uh, I think Jermon's had a great camp. I think Jermon looks very good. Um, you know, if you, if you know Jermon, he's the guy. He's really physically talented. He's got good feet, good movement skills, and all those things still exist for him. And I think he's a really good, steady veteran presence in the room. And, you know, Coach Payton, Mickey Loomis, those guys really value that that role. The guy that can come in and kind of add a little bit of calmness to a room and uh, settle everyone down and have experience. And, you know, a guy you can put into a game and you know, no matter what, he's going to battle his tail off and he's going to find a way to block people. So I think Jermon, to me, Jermon is is making this football team. Will Clapp, uh, I mean, he's been, I think, a pleasant surprise for some. And I don't know why it was so much of a surprise because I think he's completely matched what his scouting report was as a player. You know, Will's a guy, you know, he's not going to dazzle you with his movement abilities. He's not the strongest player on the team. He's not the fast player on the team, but he's a football player. He's smart. He has great football instincts. He's picked up the offense really well. They can plug him in at center or guard. And even when he's playing a guy that's not as good as that's better than he is, Will's going to battle. He's going to find a way to block him, you know, spit in his ear, tell him a story. Whatever he's got to do to keep that guy out of the backfield, Will's going to do. And I see Will as as a really valuable guy. Now, that room is tough right now. I'll be completely honest with you. Jocelyn Rebus is probably a really underrated player. People don't know anything about Jocelyn Rebus does some things that I've never seen players do. He's got some really impressive movement skills. Um, I remember the first day he was in camp last year and he reached a three technique from the center position. And me and Max looked at each other and were like, what in the world just happened? Like something you just don't see people do. Uh, so he's a really good player. I think Michael Ola's had a great, great camp. Um, I think Andrew Tiller has had a very good camp. You know, Cam Tom is a guy I know that the Saints really like. He's a guy that I like a lot um, that I had kind of mentioned in the offseason. So that's a rough room. I don't want to make any predictions on who's going to make that because I think I'm setting myself up for failure. And I need to look like I know what I'm talking about now. It's all I've got. Love it. Ralph, did you have anything else? We've lost Ralph. Did we lose Ralph? That's not good. Ralph, did you mute yourself? <laughs> I, Zach, I only well, twenty thousand people listen to this, right? So, so you can be totally honest. No, no one's gonna pay attention. Who's right, a player right. that when you played, you're like, I hate that guy. I want to kill him. I'm so excited I can say this now because he just retired. <laughs> Charles Johnson, no question. <laughs> Charles Johnson drove me absolutely bonkers. Not a Falcons player. Interesting. No. No, Carolina Panthers. No, not yeah. a Falcons player. Yeah. The Falcons, we beat the Falcons too many times. No one cares about the Falcons anymore. <laughs> they're, they're like our whipping boy. We don't, we don't have any – we have no qualms with the Falcons. Charles Johnson is a really frustrating pass rusher. You can block Charles Johnson and be like, oh, good, I got him. We're good. And then he'll grab your wrist, put it over your head, dip, and hit the quarterback. And you're like, how did that just happen? I was in great shape. Um and I actually heard at one point, you know, he's a Georgia guy, John Stinchcomb, obviously a very good friend of mine. And they were at a Georgia event. And he was like, tell Streif I hate playing him. And I was like, that's like the best <laughs> thing. I, it's like the greatest compliment I ever got because I hate playing you. So I'm glad you were miserable on the other side. So that was my guy, Charles Johnson. He just retired, had a great career that's there. And, um, now, now I can say that without any fear of uh, 
reciprocity coming from the from the Panthers. Scott Shanley once told us that by far for him it was Frank Gore. Yeah, he um, talked more trash than anyone he had ever played against. Well, and, Frank and Gore, was more than willing to put put his face down and break your your helmet. <laughs> Frank Frank Gore is like he's like he's drank from the fountain of youth or like yeah made yeah. some sort of deal with the devil. Like he's going to be playing running back in twenty twenty five, getting nine hundred <laughs> yards and six touchdowns. Like I, he's right. he's of like the, the 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 marvels that I've seen. He's up there as like he just. Doesn't he's been the same dude for like five years? Like it's he's remarkable. Listen, he's Ben Watson. Ben Watson, is yeah, like thirty-seven oh, yeah. years old, and he. I mean, Mark had the best comment ever. I laughed out loud when I saw it. He said he looks like the Under Armour mannequin, and he <laughs> is legitimately the Under Armour mannequin, like the impossible body that they put their jerseys on to make him look good. Like we'll pretend like these aren't way too tight by putting them on this mannequin. That's literally Ben Watson. Well, well, so, people, you know, back guy. it feels like a hundred years ago. People don't remember this. The Patriots played in the playoff game when Ben Watson was young, and Champ Bailey was in peak at his peak, and he intercepted the ball in a playoff game, and Ben Watson chased him down from the other side of the field, and when Champ Bailey was going to have a hundred yard interception return, Ben Watson chased him down and tackled him at like the two yard line in a playoff game. And everybody's like, I can't believe a tight end just chased Champ Bailey down, but that's because Ben Ben Watson is a physical freak. Ben Watson ran 111 yards on that. And the thing that you've just forgot is he hit Champ Bailey at the one and Champ fumbled the ball into the end zone. Oh, I forgot that. And it was a touchback. So it was a touchback. <laughs> so, oh yeah, God. I mean, it was literally like, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the craziest play ever. Ralph yeah, has like an encyclopedic – Ralph has an encyclopedic memory of football stuff. And, of and Saints just, stuff. He, and, he, and he just got owned. I well, did. Listen, I did. Ben, Ben's like one of my favorite teammates of all time, so I give you a break. He, he probably tells that story a lot, I'm guessing. That's right. Absolutely. Ben Watson, he's going to catch – He's going to catch 50 balls this year, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah maybe more. Ooh. The last time – I mean, this last season here, I think he caught like 78 or 80. So, yeah, listen, and, and he's looked great all camp. He missed some time with a little with a little back deal, and he's going to be totally fine. He feels like he's over it. So, he's listen, he's super talented, and, and, and he's playing with a guy that knows exactly what he is and who he is and how he can catch a ball and where he can catch a ball. And, you know, those – guys are going to be that drew drew and ben have a great connection all right zach well we're you're, you've been so generous with your time and um we're way over time but i cannot let you get out of here without talking about beer for a second yes. yeah uh, perfect yeah yeah ralph ralph yes. Ra- 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 I, I mean i need to say this ralph and i we both love beer i love beer. um and i have a two and a half um, year old so beer time is any time <laughs> so I'm, I'm from new orleans but i live in virginia now and so you know, i still have family and I, I try to make it back whenever i can but i have yet to make it to port orleans and so i'm i'm dying to go there and it, next time i get home it's definitely my first stop um but i'm not a hops guy like i don't like the ipas I, i'm sure. not i'm just not a hops guy so i'm cool with ambers the dark stuff lagers i, I like sours what's my go-to when I, next time I visit, what's what's the beer I have to have? Well, here's here's what'll be interesting. I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you two beers that you. I'll give you three because I'm a salesman. First of all, uh, Gleason IPA comes out this week, um, and Gleason, 
you know, I went to Steve a year and a half ago and we were kind of chatting and it was like, Hey, I should, I'm going to make you a beer. We'll pour it down your feeding tube. And he was all <laughs> fired up about it. And so, you know, a, a year and a half later, we ended up making this Gleason IPA to new England style IPA. So people that don't love hops or the bitterness associated, uh, it doesn't really have a lot of that. You really get all the floral notes, all the fruit from the hops, uh, with, with not, without the bitterness. And I think Gleason's going to be a great beer and we're super excited about it. And that'll be in restaurants and it'll be in bars and also in stores. We're going to package that as well. Um, on the lighter end, I'll give you a couple. We actually sell two different lagers in the market. It's really kind of more our specialty is to get into lagers. It's our ownership group. We're all guys. We love to fish. We love to hunt. We knew if we were going to have a brewery, we we're going to have to have beers that we could take with us. Uh, we said, if, if, if we own a brewery and we have to put someone else's beer on the boat when we go fishing, we're not, we won't respect there's ourselves. A, there's a problem. Yeah, that's right. And so we have two riverfront lager, which is kind of our flagship beer, which is a, a nice, uh, German style hell's lager. Um, a little bit bready, um, sweeter beer, really good, really clean lager. And then Dorada, which is our Mexican lager, uh, which we just recently released about a month ago. Uh, is a beer I think you probably really like. It's one of those beers that, like, you know, the, the number one question, ironically, you get even when you own a brewery is like, well, I don't, I don't like like really strong beers. You know, everyone drinks. Listen, Miller Lite, Bud Light, that's 93% of the market, right? So it is what it is. Most people like kind of mild beers, and Dorada fits that bill perfectly. It's a great beer. Mexican Lager, you put a lime in it. It's not quite as skunky as like a Corona is, but really nice, clean beer, and I think people. It, it, it satisfies 99% of the world. And uh, I think it's, it's Dorada is a beer that's, that's done really well for us. We're excited about. So well, I, approve I appreciate of, you. Let me get those plugs. No, I approve of Port Orleans brewing company embracing breakfast beer. Cause I've only been once, but I believe breakfast is not just for bloody Mary's. And I had the great, the grapefruit Storyville IPA. I don't even like IPAs and it was magical yeah. people. I'm just going to say well, it was good. magical. I like that. That's good to hear. Yeah. I like that. We also, we did a strawberry ro- front lager last year that was really really good that we did not make enough of so it disappeared really quickly but uh i think maybe the best strawberry beer in new orleans i'll make that statement because oh. i'm allowed Ooh. to because i own the brewery covington, nice. what else, covington what else strawberry is strong that's what I'm else have do you guys want me that. to say well you come down when hey, we, we get to spring about next that, year Ralph. yeah what do you quit quit pumping other breweries yeah, oh my god how many times have Cov- has covington come on on your guys never. podcast with never. You? never true right. hey, i apologize <laughs> so so zach we're, we're gonna get this is the last question we're gonna get you out of here but i just want to say people, i'm rooting hard for you and zach i will not say anything bad about you if you make mistakes during the radio broadcast is when you see my morning hit on channel four and i'm talking to eric polson if i'm staring at my feet or twiddling my thumbs <laughs> and eric looks confused if you don't tweet anything negative about me i'll be nothing but positive about you well that's fair enough i'll tell you this and I'll tell Eric to take it easy on you. I'll tell him that he's got to give you a little bit of a break. And, you know, technically we're partners. Channel 4, WWL, we're, you know, we're all on the same team. So you're contractually obligated not to say anything negative about me. But, um, listen, I know when I took this job, I knew, one, I'm replacing Jim Henderson, right? And, I mean, it's a, it's a, bad, it's a bad career decision. <laughs> you know, to, to replace Jim Henderson. And he's the that's reason like, that's why. That's like the breeze air. Exactly. You're exactly right. I mean, it's the only the only job in New Orleans worse than replacing Jim Henderson is going to be replacing Drew Brees. So um, I knew when I took it 
there was going to be criticism and I'm totally okay with it. And I acknowledge that it's going to come and, you know, here, here's the reality. It's going to take me a little bit of time, but all I want to do is create a broadcast that people in new Orleans in the Gulf South just love listening to. And I'm going to work my butt off. And, and I really believe that I will get there. And yes, it's going to take a little growing pains. Yes. The preseason is very difficult. It's not exactly the most ideal way to start, you know, with, with these rosters where it's like, okay, I got 200 people down there. I know 30 of them. It's not ideal. (laughs) Um, But I I really do believe that when it's all said and done, this will be a great move. And, you know, any saints fan, listen, I'm a saints fan. It is what it is. I'm a total Homer. I'm not embarrassed to say it. It's okay. There's plenty of people in the media that can be negative and can say bad stuff. I, I'm a fan, and, and that's what we, I hope that I can bring to it. But, fans, we don't want the Saints radio play-by-play guy to be neutral. We want him to be pro-Saints, but if it's bad, just be honest. That's all we want. You know, well, that's listen, what Henderson we, was. Listen, Taysom fumbled the ball last week, and, mm-hmm. and somebody texted me. and was like, my gosh, buddy. It's not the, it's the preseason. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed. (laughs) Like it is what it is. Like last season I'm injured. I'm at home, you know, I'm sitting around, I'm not doing anything. The game comes on and my whole family's around me. And by the end of the first quarter, I'm alone. There's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Like I'm like way too into it. I'm all excited. I'm up and I'm yelling. I'm screaming. It doesn't happen in the preseason. You know, listen, neither one of these games has been super exciting. They usually aren't when the games start and they're real, having passion and excitement about what's going on as well as disappointment when it doesn't go well, that's not going to be a problem. I'm not going to be able to hide it. It's who I am. It's, it's, it's the way that, that I've always been. I I have not always shown that in the media because it's not appropriate as a player, you know, as a player, it's like, man, you gotta, you gotta kind of walk that straight line and you gotta give professional answers. You know, it's not my life anymore. That's why I'm on Twitter all of a sudden and I can have an opinion. And, you know, I just always felt like I wasn't going to rock the boat as a player and, you know, now I get to have fun and enjoy it and be myself. And I think when it's all said and done, uh, I think people will enjoy it. And I hope they do. Well, that's great, man. And listen, uh, we, you know, we, we knew with your exit interview with the Saints when you uh, your, your your retirement party, if you will, um, you got a chance, chance to show your personality there. And I, I immediately felt like you would be a great fit for that for, for, from that point on. And honestly, uh it's one of those things where you know, you're following with Jim Henderson, but you followed a pretty good right tackle and John Stinchcom when you were starting with the Saints or your first starting. So uh, you got this, buddy. Listen, yeah. people didn't like me then either, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to it. I'll be just fine. Love it. Zach, Zach, you gave us way more time than we asked for. Thanks a bunch, guy. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. And uh, people, you know where to find him. He'll be the play-by-play guy for the Absolutely. Saints. So and go, right. to, go, to right. Orleans, go to Go to Port Orleans. Go to Port Orleans. Drink all Fellas, appreciate you guys having me on, all right? Y'all have a good night. Thanks, Zach. Thanks. All right, fellas. Bye. Bye. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! 
I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. 